Hawkeye Self Storage in Danville has electricity hookups, 14-foot-tall doors, and 60-foot drive lanes, private bays, interior and exterior lighting with 24-7 access gated entry. They also feature indoor RV and boat storage with multiple locations in Danville and one in Pittsburgh. More information can be found by calling their phone number at 317-745-2700 or by going to their website, HawkeyeStorageUnits.com. This is Sights and Sounds with Alan Kiger. Alan is a Hendricks County native that talks with your favorite entertainers. This is where Alan hangs out with music royalty. Sights and Sounds is sponsored by Hawkeye Storage in Danville. And now your host, Alan Kiger. This is Sights and Sounds. I'm your host, Alan Kiger, and my guest today is Michael Sweet of Striper. Michael, thanks for taking the time to be my guest, and how is your day going? Hey, buddy, going to keep running around, uh, running errands, and prepping for uh, departure here. We're heading to Nashville on uh, Friday of next week, and we start rehearsals, and then we start touring. So it's, it's uh, exciting times for us. We're ready to get out there and do it. It's It's been a while. I know you had a few shows during the pandemic time, and you'd had a lot of online shows, but it's it's been a while since you've been back on the road on a full-blown tour, correct? Yeah, we've done a few shows. Uh, we did a few shows last year, but in terms of a tour and actually a ground run uh, for an extended period of time, it's been a couple of years and then some. Okay. Well, for our listeners, just in case they're tuning in, some might know who you are, some might know you well, some listeners might not know who you are. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. We're going to go way back to, to your childhood and ask you... Who were your musical influences growing up? Oh, gosh, I had a lot of musical influences. My dad, obviously, was one of them. He was a, he is a musician, uh, songwriter, and he listened to a lot of different types of music, very eclectic uh, soundtrack, ranging from uh, Elvis Presley to Black Sabbath and everything in between. My dad listened to everything. If it was good, he loved it and appreciated it. Um, and, you know, I, I, on my own, I started buying albums like uh, Queen's Clearwater Revival, uh, Boston. Uh, you know, as I got a little older, I started getting into bands like Cheap Trick and uh, Van Halen. And then I started getting into metal stuff like Maiden and Priest and Dio. And, uh, you know, I just appreciated all types of music. I listened to the Bee Gees and Al Green and uh, Chuck Berry. And, I mean, I listened to everything. Thing, you know, um, so my musical uh, style and uh, taste is very, very wide. I, I appreciate and love all types of music. If it's a good song, I'm there. I, I love hearing that kind of answer. And I'm going to deviate from my question and question in order. And this isn't a striper question. This is a Michael Sweet question. But did you ever think when you were a child growing up listening to... Boston, that one day you would be singing for Boston. Is that something that you could even have got your mind around of at that age? Not at that age, no. I mean, at that age, the, the Boston album in particular really inspired me as a young musician to want to be better and get a better guitar tone and uh, become a better songwriter, you know, those types of things. But I never even dreamed that I'd be 
in Boston someday. Uh, but you know, I it just I never forget hearing that album for the first time and wanting to buy. That was the first album I actually bought. Was the Boston album, and, and then I it became a big Journey fan and a big Bad Company fan. Fog Hat. I mean, there's so many bands uh, from that era, uh, specifically more so the '70s, that really inspired and influenced me. Okay, when did you know that? I, I like this thing. I think this is what I want to do for a living: is play guitar and sing. Well, I mean, I was so young when I joined my brother's band. My dad had to persuade my brother to audition me when I was twelve, twelve years old. Uh, you know, almost thirteen, but still twelve, uh, mind you. And um, my brother obviously was fifteen, three years older than me, and. He, he was more mature and grown up and into different things and he didn't want to audition his, his kid brother so uh, once he auditioned me and I made the cut and we became a band that's when I knew that that's what I wanted to do uh, for the rest of my life and, and take it more serious and really go after becoming a, a better uh, musician a better artist better singer better guitar player better writer everything you name it you do great at all of those I, I got to ask you a question that that the listeners that are gonna gonna know who you are are probably curious to want to know. When you took the road and said, "Hey, I think we're gonna we're, you as the band, we're gonna play Christian rock." I mean, that was not an easy path. The the Christians, a lot of the Christians, I remember being in church and some of the people were like, "Ah, oh, this isn't good." And you had the people on the rock end going, "Well, they're a Christian band." How, how did you decide that, and did you know the path would be as hard as it was going to be? Yeah, we didn't really think twice about the decision. We just knew in our hearts that's what we wanted to do, and um, we went with that. You know, it's not like we sat and thought, well, gosh, we're going to get a lot of flack, should we or shouldn't we? We just did it. Uh, and then after the fact, we found out, you know, the heat we would take and receive ever since. And, you know, from 1983, when we first decided to uh, dedicate the band to God to today, you know, we still take heat on both sides. You know, the church doesn't understand us or accept us in many ways, and neither does mainstream. So it's Vapor's a very odd uh, band, very, uh, you know, different situation than any other band. And uh, it's hard for people to understand what we're doing. Uh, and, and we break the mold. I mean, we don't follow any other format, really. No, you don't. Well, I, I, I got it. I figured it out at a young age. I was in. I was hooked. So you got a lot of us. I think it just comes down to no matter what the band may be singing about. Like, there's a lot of songs when I was a kid that I loved, and I had no clue what they were singing about. I, I, I yeah, either couldn't understand the lyrics or, uh, you know, didn't care to. And it's it just, I love the groove, I love the riff, or I love the beat, or I love the singer's voice. And later, after the fact, I found out what some of the words were, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I was singing that when I was 10 years old, you know? <laughs> and it, it's like, 
you know, the same same thing applies to Striper, or at least it should. You know, do you like the song? Do you like the riff? Do you like the groove? Do you like my voice or the guitar sound? And, uh, you know, that's what matters uh, in, in terms of it. Now, later, the difference between Striper and, and most other bands is most of the bands are singing about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. We sing about God. So the message is is very important to us and we hope that it's just as important to the person listening uh, it's it's very important to me as a as a listener and you know I, I made sure to play a couple striper songs last week on my fun friday night show because it was it was good friday you know with resurrection yeah. sunday coming up just a few days later and i wanted to make sure that people understood why we were playing striper absolutely and that's in the end when when the smoke clears and the amps are packed up uh, and the buses are rolling down the road and the show's over what stays with you for all eternity is the message true I I have a question here and I don't I don't know if all if this is something you can answer or you just answer as a band but was there a defining moment when you knew that this was working if you've made it you know you've you've had the hit albums or you know i've heard some artists say you know it wasn't until we got on johnny carson that we knew that we made it was there was there a, a time period in there for you on that i think that the point in time when we felt like okay this is different uh, you know this is there's something happening here that feeling i think was probably in 1986 we had just recorded to hell with the devil and we went out to the car to listen to the mix of to hell with the devil and when we popped that in and listened we all kind of looked at each other and had this look in our eyes like okay something's happening this is special this is some this is a whole different level and this is going to do something and it did and when it came out on the label and the first video calling on you came out and the record came out it literally at least to our to us and comparatively uh, speaking of all the other albums and what we've done prior it blew up you know, and it, 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 we had a gold album and then it went platinum and we went from playing clubs to theaters and from theaters to playing arenas from that one album during that one year. That is absolutely an amazing story. So it really was incredible. And that's when we knew like, okay, something's happening. What's going on? And, you know, we were just, we were kids, basically. I mean, I was, uh, when we started working on that album, I was 23. Wow. And that was our, that was our third album, uh, you know. Um, so our third release, the first album, when we signed the deal, I was 20. And the first album came out when I was 21. So we were just, we were just kids. That's that's incredible. Well, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of deviate a little bit here from music, but we're gonna we're gonna lead back to there. I fo I follow you a lot on Facebook. Um, I saw in September you took off and you you went camping. Um, is that something you would like to do more of? Was that camping out of just necessity only? Because you had some pretty pretty neat posts on there. Uh, you know, I think you were watching a football game one time, uh, blowing blowing stuff off the roof of the camper another time, just out having fun like normal people do on normal weekends. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was one of those things that uh, my 
my wife and I, Lisa, and I talked about doing for a number of years. And uh, I always said, man, it'd be great to buy an RV. And you and I hop in it with a guitar and we'll go do a little mini tour and I'll do acoustic shows and we'll stop along the way and check out little towns and grab lunch and dinner. And how amazing would that be? So when we sold our house, which was pretty spontaneous as well, last year, in September of last year, we felt like this is as good a time as any to do an RV an RV thing. So we, we immediately went and bought an RV. And that became our home for a while. We jumped in that RV, put all our uh, belongings in storage, and went down to Florida, drove down to Florida, uh, and stopped at a bunch of places between here and there. And we just camped for a month, a little over a month, actually. And I tell you, it was amazing. It, it really was amazing. And then we realized we still have the RV. We realized, you know what, this could be a lot of fun, but we certainly can't make it a permanent home. So we decided to obviously build a house, which is what we're doing right now. And uh, we still plan on getting in the RV and going. And, uh, we're going to travel out west this year and uh, drive to California and back and just really sightsee and, and, and do some incredibly fun things and, and enjoy life a little bit, you know? You've traveled the world, but you've traveled it through the back of a bus, not not out actually being the, the guy in front looking out the window. So yeah. that does sound which like a lot of fun. A, which is a scary thought if you if – you, <laughs> If you know me as a driver, that's a scary thought to uh, to think that Michael Sweet's driving an RV, a 32-foot 30, RV. That's like, whoa, man, get off the roads, you know? <laughs> yeah. Now, when you were when you were camping, was that when your detached retina happened, was on the camping trip? It did. Yeah, we were down in Florida, and we were uh, towards the tail end of our trip. We made plans with the grandkids to go to Disney World. And because of the pandemic, they couldn't come down. So uh, we went anyway. Lisa and I went to Disney World and because uh, we were down there, a half hour from Disney World. So we went down to Disney World. And when I took a step off of the curb our first day there, my retina detached. Oh, and I didn't know it. I just thought I knew something was wrong because I saw hundreds of speckles and gray gel. And it was hard to see out of my eye. That went away after two or three days. And then all of a sudden I started to develop. Uh, it looked like someone was drawing a dark, uh, actually in the, in the sunlight, dark green, but it looked black in regular light. It looked like someone was pulling down a shade on my eye and I could only see people's feet. And that's when I knew, like, okay, this is this is something major here. And uh, by the time I I tried to get in to see a doctor, my insurance wouldn't uh, approve a referral, and uh, a whole week passed. And, and by the time I got back here, uh, and I went to Mass Eye and Ear for emergency, they said you, your retina is detached. You need emergency surgery. And I've had two surgeries because it redetached and I've got oil in my eye right now and can have a third surgery in July. So I still can't see out of it. Now, I, I see you wearing the, the patch on Facebook. I, I had a patch on my eye for, for a couple weeks and that was way more than enough. And I noticed, noticed my depth perception was off. Does that oh, yeah. bother you and, and playing the guitar? I mean, do you even look at the guitar when you play or is it all 
100%. You just know where everything's at. Well, I wish I could not have to look at the guitar neck, but I do. Uh, you know, because I don't know if it's old age or, or just not playing enough or what, but I, I need to look at the guitar neck. And when I do, it is very difficult. My depth perception is totally different now. Okay. Absolutely. Like I, I bang into walls. I bang into cars. I trip over my feet. I mean, it's it's crazy how much it's affected that. Uh, it, it's like you just don't – you take things for granted. You don't realize it until you're in that situation, like how much it does affect you. And it's like it's, it's unbelievable, to be honest. What does it feel like? Because most people don't have this, and you, and you and you might feel it spiritually. But to know when you make a post on Facebook that says, "Hey, I'm going to go in for surgery. I need prayers." Yeah. That literally thousands of people, tens of thousands of people, will be praying for you. That's something most people don't get. It's incredible, and that's the only reason why I do it. I, I'm a very private person, believe it or not. Like, if I wasn't in a band, you'd never, I wouldn't have a Facebook account. Okay. You, you would never hear from me. And I have a Facebook account because I am in a band, and it's a great way to stay in touch with the fans. And I love to stay in touch with the fans. Uh, that means more to me than anything. But I'm not one of those guys that likes to uh, air all my private stuff online. And to me, my uh, my health is private. I agree. You know, as it should be. But what's great about it, the only reason why I post is because all the people that I know are going to pray. And and I know how powerful prayer is. And I, I, I look at it like, well, you know, maybe that'll help get me through this. And God will hear one of those prayers and maybe heal me and whatnot. So that's the only reason why I post something like that. But, boy, I tell you, it's always difficult for me to post my ailments on Facebook. I will be honest with you. Well, you're, you're in a position where a lot of people do pray for you. I, I, I don't post my ailments on there. And some, some people like, I think, to... You know, if they stub their toe, they're gonna they're gonna post on there. It's just <laughs> just, the way, <laughs> just the way. Just the way. What I mean, it's like you know, every little thing, you know, like, and and that's that's fine, you know. But it's like every little thing is posted. They cut their finger, and it's like you know, I, I, well, you guys, you know, pray for me because I I can't afford a band aid, and that's heartbreaking. <laughs> it and, and is. I, it and is. And I I understand. I get it. But it, I'm not one of those people. I. I I'm always hesitant. If I need a major surgery, I'd be hesitant to post that, you know? I, I understand. Well, you, you mentioned the fans and talking about the fans. Let's let the uh, listening audience know. You start your tour, I believe, March, or excuse me, May 5th. And yep. you're going to be making a stop here in Indy. You're going to be playing at the Vogue uh, May 17th. Last time I saw you was at the Vogue. Uh, great little venue. So, listeners, you need to get out there and and see this. What what should they expect that maybe they, if they've been to one of your shows, it might be different? Or what should they expect if they've never been to a Striper show? Well, I mean, I think for either uh, description, either person who's been or hasn't been, I think they could always expect a band that's given 100%. You know, Striper never phones it in. Uh, and I'm not saying other bands do. I'm just, you know, I'm, we, we try to stay in shape. We try to be well rehearsed. We try to give people uh, their money's worth. 
And I think that we do a pretty good job of that. And, you know, this set list is getting longer and longer these days because we've got so much, uh, so many albums in such a big catalog. So it's hard to fit 14 albums worth of material into a 90-minute set. Uh, but we do our best, you know. We're gonna we're gonna really mix it up and try to do something from every album, uh, so fans are, are very happy and they can hear something from every album. And it, it's been two years since we toured, so I think there's gonna be a certain level, a higher level of excitement for everybody. Well, the last time I saw you, you guys were fantastic. I remember seeing you '87 or '88. You were at Clues Memorial Hall in Indianapolis, and obviously I was a lot younger then. But when I saw you at the Vogue, to me, you were better. You were better musicians. Your voice, I think, was better. You were, you were tighter as a group. And that's probably just from all the years of playing together. And, you know, you, you know what everybody else is going to be doing. But you were phenomenal. Really enjoyed well, the show. Thank you so much, man. We really work hard at that. You know, uh, we take it so serious. I, it, it, you know, a lot of my buddies who are in bands, you know, they go out and they tour and they don't have rehearsals or they rehearse at the at the at the venue you know the day the day before the show or the day of the show and i'm just thinking gosh i could never do it like that you know i striper is going to be flying to nashville we're going to be rehearsing for five or six days and everyone's rehearsing now at home on their own and it would take it very serious you know we want to be at our best and at the top of our game uh no matter how old we are how long we've been doing this very important well something else i want to i want to plug of, of yours that you've got going on you're going to be a part of a three day music festival called Monsters on the Mountain, uh, August 19th through the 21st. Striper will be playing August 20th, and you will be playing as a solo artist on the August 21st. W what is it like to go from, you know, you're just going to, you're going on tour, you're playing the Vogue, you're playing all these plates, to then going to a big music festival where I'm sure there's, you know, 10 times more people a lot more bands, and you know your your show needs to stick out better than everybody else's is obviously the goal. Well, I mean, you know, it, it's hopefully it does just based on the fact of everything I just said that you know we've worked a little harder and we've rehearsed a little longer and all that stuff, uh, and we just want to give our best and, and, and go out there. And, you know, we, we're representing God, so we want to be at the top of our game. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because when you go to a festival, you're around a lot more people. It's also a little, we're also a little fearful because of the pandemic. Nobody wants to get sick. And, and obviously, if anyone does get sick, the tour shuts down. Right. You know, so you, you're out there touring and then all of a sudden one person's sick and you got to go home. And, and, you know, for bands like Striper, that could be a real easy bankruptcy situation because you're going to lose a lot lot of money and uh that's really hard and those bills are going to keep knocking on your door so it, it's a very serious situation and we want to take it serious in, from all uh, points of view and it's very important to us to sound our best look our best and to be our best and to also be safe and cautious and smart in the process well i i'll pray that it goes safe for everybody uh we appreciate I, that man I've got a question for you as, as your personal question. If I know you love touring, 
I know you love to write, and I know you love to get in the studio, and I saw an interview where I think I think you said you would like to do, if you had time, two Striper albums a year and two Michael Sweet albums a year. If you could only write or record or tour, which of those three would you find most important to you? Because I love I love seeing the fans and the one on one personal experience with the fans. There's there's nothing that can replace that that connection and seeing their faces and them hearing the music and you feeding off of their energy and vice versa. But at the same time, as we get older, it's hard lugging three guitars and four suitcases through an airport at three a.m. Uh, that can get pretty brutal. You know, uh, or you got four in a row and you, you got a, a 3 a.m. lobby call to make that fourth in a row. Uh, and you're just beat up and you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't sing, but I got to go sing. You know, that can be really tough mentally and physically. So if I had to choose, I'd probably go with the recording because I just there's something about that process that excites me like unlike any other and uh, the getting the tones and recording and hearing the song build and writing the song and rehearsing and producing it uh it, it, the you know pre-production of it there's just nothing like that that's such a gratifying feeling it's amazing that's that's pretty neat michael what what are your hobbies you know outside of music you know outside of writing and recording what what do you like to do for fun if you if you have a day off? Well, if I had a day off, I mean, it's I'm a very simple guy. It doesn't take a lot to uh, make me happy. I I could sit on a bed with my wife and, and a big giant bowl of popcorn and, and watch two or three movies, and I'm I'm smiling ear to ear, you know, um, or. I love going out to eat, you know, and trying different types of food, different restaurants. I love walking my dog. Uh, I love camping. Uh, you know, I love uh, traveling. Not the actually getting there part on a plane, but once we're there part of just chilling and somewhere else and uh, checking it out and trying different things. There's so many things I like. I like the bike. I like riding a bike, bicycle, not a motorcycle. Um, I love cats. I love just lying on, on lying down with my cat and hearing her purr. You know, there's so many things I love to do, but just all simple things, nothing major. I'm not one of these guys that it takes a lot to make me happy. You know. Okay. Well, you mentioned walking your dog. I'm sure the listeners are picked up on that. They're going to want to know what kind of dog do you have? We don't have a dog right now. We lost our oh, dog okay. of almost 15 years. His name was Caleb, and we lost him uh, a few years ago. And we have not got a new dog. We're building a house right now. And once we get into that house at the uh, end of this year, we're, we're planning on getting and finding a new dog. We want to get a shelter dog. Um, and we're just not sure what type of dog. You'll know. They, they find you. You don't really find them. And uh, when, we, when, we, when we got Caleb, he came to me and he, he, he found me. So it, I knew right away. And I think that's how it'll be again when we do get a dog. Okay. Are there any uh, specific charities that you or Striper as a group like to be a part of? Oh, my gosh. There's so many that we've been involved with over the years. Um, 
We just like to help and like to give, man. Uh, one thing that we've been doing a lot of these days with Bibles is giving away Bibles through our Patreon page. Um, and we've got Bibles going overseas uh, to different areas, and it's really cool in the hands of people that don't have Bibles. And I posted a picture recently of Pastor Joe Amaral. Yes, I saw who got, it took took some Bibles and uh, gave them out, and you know that that means more to us than anything, really. That's a great gift and a great charity. Um, I was just curious. I'm, I I, lo I love charity stuff, and that's one of the questions I always like to ask an artist and find out where their heart is on on charities, and that that's top of the list. Appreciate yeah, it's it. tough. I, I'll be honest with you. It, it's really hard because sometimes you got to be very cautious in the, the world that we live in, which charities you do give to. Uh, because you, you turn on the news and you find out that the money was going somewhere else. So it's just really important to, I think, follow your heart with that and pray about it and just be cautious and careful. But obviously be giving as well because uh, a giving heart is a joyful heart. God will bless that. Well, Michael, I want to say thanks for being a part of Sights and Sounds, and I want to tell the listeners, make sure you get out to the Vogue, May 17th. That's in Indy and Broad Ripple, which is part of Indy. Uh, this is Striper's a band you don't want to miss. You don't want to miss them live. You put on a fantastic show, so listeners, make sure you get out there. And Michael, I want to say thanks so much for taking your time and, and being our guest here on Sights and Sounds. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you having me. God bless you and all that you do. And I can't wait to be there, which will be very soon. I can't believe that we're that so much time has passed. We're already almost we're, we're approaching halfway through 2022, which is unbelievable to me. Right? It's it, just insane. It goes so time quick. Goes so quickly. Unbelievable. Oh, just like a vapor. And Incredible. It really is. Well, thanks so much. Greatly appreciate it. All right, my friend. God bless you, man. You've been listening to Sights and Sounds with Alan Kiger, sponsored by Hawkeye Storage in Danville. Join us the first and third Sunday of every month at 11 a.m. on WYRZ. And don't forget, if you miss a broadcast, you can hear the podcast at sightsandsoundspromotions.com, where Alan hangs out with music royalty. Hawkeye Self Storage in Danville has electricity hookups, 14-foot tall doors, and 60-foot drive lanes, private bays, interior and exterior lighting with 24-7 access gated entry. They also feature indoor RV and boat storage with multiple locations in Danville and one in Pittsburgh. More information can be found by calling their phone number at 317-745-2700 or by going to their website, hawkeyestorageunits.com.